Welcome to our podcast, Martial Arts and More. Our show is about how we can take what we learn as martial artists out into the world every day. We're looking for examples of our tenets, courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit in action. We're excited to welcome Master Gendelman to our podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, let me let me start this off by saying, Miss Chloe Lee, we've known each other your entire life, but we don't often get to sit down and chat for 20 minutes or so. So I'm honored and excited to be able to do well, that. Well, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. I am a lifelong martial artist. And it was all because of my mother, and who was always, uh, until she passed away last year, she always way ahead of her time and iconic a woman that back in the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s, she was able to assert herself when really in a man's world, they listened to her. So I grew up around this Titan. And my dad is the same way. But it was my mother in the mid 60s who said, Jeff, you really should do martial arts and theater. Because you don't look people in the eye. You don't have a good handshake. Your posture is terrible. And we need to hear you. You need to project. So she took me to this Taekwondo school. But it was dark and dank and dusty and and I was put into this class where all the other people in it were men in their early 20s. That's it. No kids, nobody older. And these men had just come back from the Vietnam War. So you can imagine, and certainly your listeners can imagine, what those young men experienced and had to do. I wasn't able to understand that until really when I went to college. The Taekwondo was quite brutal and they'd throw me around and kick me around and it was a little different back then the way classes were taught and they didn't mind hitting people back then that was it, it changed thankfully and again no children were involved in martial arts until the mid-80s when Karate Kid was produced and opened up around the world and then you had Taekwondo and karate schools opening up everywhere. But until that time, it was not really a child's uh, world. But I didn't stay too long at this place in the mid-60s. But I did give me an, a, a look into what discipline is, what perseverance is, uh, accountability, and yes, good posture and projection and eye contact and assertiveness. But that I really gained later on because it gave me that, that first experience, gave me the taste of discipline. Would you say that's kind of what made you like stay involved in Taekwondo? I didn't understand that Chloe back then. And because I, I can, I can reflect on it now, especially, especially when I was in my twenties and thirties and forties and fifties. And now that I'm in my mid sixties. I was, I'm able, was able to reflect, but back then, no, I stayed in it because it was cool. And I started teaching myself self-defense. I didn't go back to any classes in the late sixties or even early 70s when I was in high school. But I kept training in self-defense. 
I taught myself and my friends, and, and those are guys who are in seventh grade, eighth grade in high school, uh, self-defense. I didn't do a very good job at it because we would normally get hurt and things like that, but it was so fun to do. And at that time, Bruce Lee came into the world zeitgeist. Fifteen-year-old, I started watching his work not only on television, series like Green Lantern, and and then he, he released uh, uh, things like uh, Enter the Dragon, movies like that. And I remember going to see it with my friends multiple times downtown at a movie theater on Wisconsin Avenue, and it was just amazing what he was doing. That's when I started realizing the formality of going to a class on a regular discipline basis. So then when I went to college in 1975, I kept training in Taekwondo in Minneapolis and with the U of M, the University of Minnesota. I also got into swords and rapier and dagger and longsword, broadsword, knives. And I stayed with Taekwondo going to the school in South Minneapolis. Then when I graduated, I moved to San Francisco to go to the American Conservatory Theater. When I left there, I got picked up by the Old Globe Shakespeare Festival in San Diego. I would always do a show, a play, whatever, a TV show, but then I'd go to karate class or kung fu class or taekwondo class, tempo class, whatever city I was living in. And that's what I kept doing throughout all the decades. But kept my ultimate focus on taekwondo throughout the many, many years. And I think it's the best martial arts. It's the the amalgamation, I think, of the best of all the martial arts and uh, something also you can do when you're quite older. Unlike some of the other styles, it's a little harder to do. Some of the stances, for example, in Kung Fu are quite deep and, and strenuous for people after they get a little, a little older. And then went out to dinner in Santa Monica with a, a couple friends of my wife, Ginny and mine, and we were out to dinner and, and our, my friend Sean said, you know, I have a really close friend who runs three martial arts schools in Milwaukee. You should call him. And by the way, this is about 19, 20 years ago. So I said, sure. So I called him. It was a guy named Mr. Chan Lee. He was running three schools at that time. And a close buddy of my friend, Sean, because they both went to Marquette High School together. So I called him. It turns out he was coming to Los Angeles in two weeks to lead a seminar with his father, Grandmaster J.K. Lee from Milwaukee. Uh, who I heard was an amazing man. And so uh, uh, Chan Lee invited me. I said, sure, I'll go. So I met him two weeks later at this downtown hotel in Los Angeles. And I walk into this room full of Korean grandmasters and masters and me. And here was this guy, Grandmaster J.K. Lee from Milwaukee talking in Korean. And Chan Lee interpreted the Korean into English. And he was talking about things like, how do you maximize potential? How do you make a community a better place? And Ms. Lee, I at that point was training for 35 years in martial arts all over the country. And I'd never heard any of my senseis or instructors uh, or master instructors ever talking about things like that. At the end of the seminar, we talked, Grandmaster Lee and his son, Chan Lee. And it turns out we knew similar people because I had grown up in Milwaukee but never ever thought ever of moving back ever until long story short, 
they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So we decided that Gendelman, me, would move to Milwaukee. So we moved in 2005-ish to Milwaukee from Santa Monica. People were, were, were amazed. You're doing what? You're doing a reverse migration? It's supposed to be Wisconsin to California, not California, Wisconsin. I said, yes, this is the right thing. Because I love Wisconsin. I just, my wife was from, is from Ohio and kind of knew it. Didn't really want to be in Wisconsin, but she, she knew it was the right thing to raise her kids here. And plus my parents were all here. And my brother and my sister, who I love very much. And uh, so my kids had grandparents growing up. And they had an uncle, things like which we didn't have family in Southern California. So it all made sense. And I can tell you now, jump cut 17 years later, as a partnership with them, and I've known them for 20 years now, because we met about two, actually 19 years, we met in 2003. It's the best business partnership I've had. Master Chan Lee, incredible man. And uh, I got to know his father, thankfully, really well. And it's because of them that City Youth Martial Arts Program became what it is, because they had the idea but it was certainly Mrs. Palmazano, Mrs. Mary Frances Palmazano, the top executive director of City Youth Martial Arts. I mean, oh my, without her, no, it would not have worked. But I was so happy that this extraordinary person, Mrs. Palmazano, was my student at J. Kelly Blackwell Academy in Fox Point. So thankful that this powerful, one of the most intelligent people I've ever met, a defense attorney, uh, Ohio State, top of her class, and doing social work as well way back then. So the alchemy of all that. And then we realized that when we were doing our Be Your Best programs way before SIMAP happened, the City Youth Program, we had success because of Mrs. Palmazano. I just had a lot of energy and, and she, just, she just takes over. And we had success in the Milwaukee public school systems with these Be Your Best programs, as well as some of the suburban schools. So then we started realizing, well, you know, we really need to make this a 501c3. That opens you up when you're a nonprofit to grants, to foundations. So that made it a logical move. We got a great board together. I became the first board president. The success of City Youth Martial Arts Program is because of Mrs. Palmazano and her vision. I think it's awesome to kind of see like how your journey began, like from your mom forcing you to come and then until you having like genuine interest. Could you explain how you like learned to teach Taekwondo? Because I know you were practicing it for many years. But like, would you say that teaching Taekwondo like required a different skill set? Teaching was something I always did. Even when I was a child, I was teaching at 10 years old, nine years old, I was teaching people how to play tennis, how to water ski, how to hit a baseball, how to hit a softball. I was okay at school, but I wasn't the one in my math class that my teacher would say, hey, Jeff, can you help Barbara over here with uh, uh, calculus? No, that wasn't me. I did okay in school, but the teaching I was doing was more reading, literature, theater, film, right? Things like that, sports. Mm -hmm.
most available I was to teaching was learning the techniques that Master Chan Lee taught me, us, all the other heads of the six total locations. He definitely was a huge influence in that. You know, techniques that we use that Mrs. Pomozano was a master at. And, and again, another reason why City Youth is so, so successful because of these techniques that are natural techniques that I had, I had been doing many of them throughout all my other teachings, but didn't realize there was a label. There was a term, a technique like praise, correct praise, PCP, things like that that you could do with people of all ages. So that was something that I was so thankful, Master Chan Lee, to give guidance, direction, and definitely made me a better teacher. Well, it's kind of cool to see like how you learned to kind of be like a leader. And I'm sure that was also important in like your pursuits as like a filmmaker. Could you tell me like more about that journey? I was never a shy guy. <laughs> I, I was the I was the one in grade school that would get up in front of class and perform, tell jokes. I wasn't the jokester, but I was okay about getting like, for example, when I was in sixth, seventh grade, we could produce a play. So my mom, who was also a theater person, big time theater, locally, but loved theater. And part of my influence uh, in my love for theater and uh, uh, literature is definitely from my mother. Uh, she said, why don't you do Oliver? So I cast it. I helped direct it. My mom and I produced it at the theater, the, the, uh, in, the, in the little theater at our elementary school. And it gave me an insight into bringing people together and collaborating on something creative, which to this day is one of my raison d'artres. It's just I love being in a creative environment. So that's why a lot of class time in Taekwondo here, we'll do a lot of creative things. What I needed was control my diffusion because I was good at a lot of things. And I, and I found out when I was in college that diffusion doesn't help you in the long term. Find the one or two things that you should focus on and leverage the passion and the strength that's within you. Rat me, but I was the kind of person that did everything. And, and now I realize, well, I, I, many decades ago, I realized that's not gonna help. So my world as an actor, because I was always an actor, even 10 years old, I was an actor and, uh, and a martial art guy. To this day, I'm still a martial art guy. And I'm certainly, an actor who's a, a master instructor, but I am not being paid as an actor anymore, but I had a really good run as a professional actor in movies, television series in New York City and in Los Angeles. And I realized over time that I really liked what the producers were doing, bringing people together to create, whether it's film, television, or theater, was something that really excited me. So in the mid-90s, I was visiting, I was living in Los Angeles, and I visited my parents, who at that time had a sailboat, and we were out sailing on Lake Michigan. And we went way out. 
so far out heading east that when you turned your head back to look at downtown Milwaukee, it was about an eighth of an inch tall. We were that far out. And I thought, what a great setting for a movie, an art film. So I started writing a script that was called The Surface. And it took about 15 years for it to be produced. But it was the one project that I brought with me in 2005, six, when I became a partner with J.K. Lee Blackwell Academy. I let Master Chan Lee and Grandmaster Lee know that, can I take one project with me from Los Angeles that I had been working on? And they said, sure. If it gets done, it gets done. You, you, you definitely do it. And it got done. In 2013-14, we produced it here in Milwaukee, and I wrote it and produced it. I hired Hollywood stars and a Hollywood director, brought them to Milwaukee. Mrs. Palmazano was my, thankfully, she was my assistant and kind of kept me going in the right direction. And uh, we both learned a lot, had a lot of fun working together again. It was great. And we produced the film. It played a lot of art houses back then. It's an art film. It's a low budget indie. Just go to Amazon Prime and, and it's called The Surface starring Sean Astin, who uh, is the star of Lord of the Rings trilogy, Rudy, 50 First Dates. He's also been on Stranger Things for quite a while as one of the stars. Now that I'm uh, officially repurposing myself the end of next month, I'm stepping down from the J.K. Lee Blackbill Academy organization. Master Sean Lee, Grandmaster Lee, everybody understands. I am not retiring. I am, again, repurposing. I would like to then spend the 10, 12 hours I dedicate to this organization every day. I'm going to reallocate, I'm going to refocus that time on uh, a television series that I created that Ms. Actually, Ms. Palmazano read very early uh, a draft of and uh, had some really good insight. But that time it was a film. Now it's going to be a TV series. I'm going to shepherd that as the creator and one of the producers and hopefully one of the writers to a, a TV series in Hollywood. And I also am going to spend time trying to uh, produce another a motion picture, another film, this time a completely different subject matter than the surface. I'm going to start acquiring the rights to a published novel in order to secure the rights to turn it into a motion picture. And that's quite a process with lawyers and everything. And it takes, takes a while. And if they, they say no, then I have another idea for a motion picture based on a true story. And both of them will have martial arts in them. The TV series will have a little Taekwondo for sure. And the motion picture will also have uh, some martial arts in it. Even though I am stepping down and moving away, I'm going to continue to train with J.K. Lee. I'm very close to my sixth degree black belt. So I'll continue to train. I'll come in when I can every couple of months or something and train online and train in Arizona. There's some wonderful instructors out there, grandmasters that know me well, and I know them well. Well, it's awesome to kind of see you like go from like interest in like filmmaking and things like that and go to Taekwondo and kind of like, like you said, reallocate that back into another interest. How important was it for you to kind of like have your whole family be involved in Taekwondo? Mount Everestian. Massive. They were never forced to come to class. 
when they started at four years old, uh, starting with Miss Megan. Even in Santa Monica, when I was training in Taekwondo out there in the park, she kind of watched class. Sarah was two, a little young. She'd be kind of running around. But four, Megan was very focused. And I have some classes in the back in my backyard in Santa Monica. And I, I, I get some students. I was teaching Taekwondo. In fact, that's when I started teaching the, the J.K. Lee Taekwondo. I'd come back and forth to Milwaukee, learn from Master Chan, then go back to California and learn the J.K. Lee way. And Megan was always watching. So when we moved, she started, she was one of the first students, but I never forced it on them. And then when Sarah got to be four, a couple years later, she was a little reluctant. In fact, when she got her yellow belt, she broke out into tears as a five-year-old and just couldn't get up in front of people or anything. <laughs> He's just, yeah. Um, but right after that, she just uh, you know, never forced it. They, they wanted to be here as much as possible. It made a huge difference because my sister, even before I moved here, wherever I was living in the country uh, from college on for the next, you know, 30 years, I'd come home to visit in Milwaukee and Lori would say, Jeff, can you teach me some self-defense? So she became, and still today, she's one of our senior, uh, senior black belts here, one of our third degrees. My sister Lori it has always been extremely important in my life and to have her part of this process was an extraordinary, we have an extraordinary relationship. So Miss Lee, it, it really helped because there are not, well back then, martial arts was not about the family, the nuclear family also experiencing it. And it wasn't that way for me in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s training in all these dojangs and dojos around the country. It wasn't about families. J.K. Lee was unique in that. So that was really intriguing for me, to make it egalitarian, all things for all people. J.K. Lee embodied that, and that made tremendous sense to me. And as a result of which, people would see me here with my girls, and they go, oh, I could do it too? Yeah, we have parents involved. Then they see my sister. Oh, she's older than you are. Well, yeah, but yeah, she's young because she trains in Taekwondo, right? So you have this wonderful mix here. So people see that. They see that the other women in their 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, and, and they say, oh yeah, maybe I can start feeling, and they do. Eventually, not from maybe, it's they actually do start feeling better. And they become more assertive, become more confident. And uh, the range of motion, they sleep better at night. And of course, the byproduct ultimate is you learn self-defense. So that really spikes your confidence. Yeah, I think it's amazing kind of how Taekwondo can really like unite a family and kind of like shape them to like be something different, I guess. Well, bonding. Um, yeah, that bonding, bonding. That that was something. Again, that that's Master Chan Lee. That, he he's he's a forward future thinking person. And with Grandmaster Lee sanctioning what the direction he wanted to take the organization, saying yes, yes, sir, you, you I agree. Look, we're we're training in law enforcement, self defense, right, boxing. Right. There's not a lot of martial arts schools that want boxing in it in their curriculum, as well as 
law enforcement style self-defense, like realistic self-defense. They just want their own martial arts self-defense. No, this is an incredible organization. And we're so thankful that the City Youth Martial Arts Program is really our seventh location. It's a nonprofit, but it's our seventh location. What tenant would you say best embodies you? Well, I've always thought courtesy is something that my dad and mom were big on thank you pleases and your welcomes. Integrity is something that uh, was huge with uh, my mother and father. They were both uh, uh, business people, civic-minded. They were also highly charitable. They also started their own nonprofits. The Integrity, in fact, uh, it's named after was City Youth Martial Arts for, for many, many years. We had the Shell Gendelman uh, Integrity uh, Award that we awarded to a business leader uh, uh, in, the, in the community. Uh, we're actually restructuring that now to make it a scholarship. But integrity is something that I preach a lot uh, over the almost 17 years here at J.K. Lee Blackbell Academy. And that is probably the core tenet. We have so many people here who are children and teens who are developing into successful adults. Maintaining your integrity, your personal truth is huge. You never have to lie. How great is that? You never have to lie. And I, I said, actually, in the other class the other day, I was talking about this. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. There's one time, one time you can lie. And the, the teens and the kids and the adults were speculating. Let's see, what, was that, what would that be? What would that one time be? No one really hit on the head. But what it is is, if you're giving your grandma or your grandfather a surprise party on Sunday, you can't tell your grandma tomorrow that, hey, grandma, we're giving you a surprise party. No, no, no. Let's say then a couple of days earlier, she goes, so what do you want to do? My birthday's on Sunday. You cannot say, tell her that either. Grandma, no, we're going to give you a surprise party. You have to say, I don't know, grandma. What would you like to do? Anything you want to do, you cannot say we're giving you a surprise party. Yes, that's a lie, but that's the only time you can lie. Keep your integrity. Perseverance, I embody that. There is nothing harder than making a motion picture, a film with stars that gets distributed. <laughs> you can go and make a movie with your camera, with your phone, but to get it released and distributed, Oh my, it, 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 it's, it's, it's perseverance. And that took me 15 years to do the first one. It's not gonna take me 15 years to do my second one. No, there's no way. Self-control. I'm thankful that I feel half my age, Miss Lee. I feel 32, 33. It, a lot of that has to do with self-control. The discipline that underlies self-control helps I don't need to go home and eat at 10 o'clock at night, a quart of ice cream. I have good habits, self-control. Indomitable spirit, thankfully, that is something also that I can help my student body with in all, in all age groups. Nothing really can get in your way of achieving your dreams. I, I'm a walking billboard for that. So to be able to persevere and have the indomitable spirit persevere, just keep on going, keep on going. Don't stop until you achieve indomitable spirit. Nothing is going to get in your way.
to achieving your dreams. It's the salmon that keeps trying to, or a leap, Shakespeare would say, to overcome that tall waterfall. She's swimming against the current. Why she wants to lay her eggs. You've got that waterfall coming down, coming down. It's four feet, eight feet, 10 feet. She's still gonna keep trying to get over that waterfall until she does it. Indomitable spirit, boom, she does it. Then she's got four or five more waterfalls upstream to get to where she's gonna spawn. Fascinating metaphor for the indomitable spirit that we need in life to achieving what we want to achieve. Well, I think it's awesome that you kind of touched on all the tenets and they're all important in different ways. And I just like to thank you for being on the podcast today. You give me a lot more insight into like your own Taekwondo journey and like other aspects of your life. Is there any last piece of advice you'd like to give to our audience? Sure. There's a, a famous saying that I have actually hanging in the other room in the dojang. And it says, the most important thing in life is to be yourself. Unless you can be Batman, always be Batman. <laughs>